Oh, Arts Express is blowing its whistle at the 3CR station. Arts Express. Power to the people. So all aboard for a journey with Valerie Fafala and Trish Posterino into alternative theatre, cabaret, festivals, comedy and arts activism and plenty of great music, Trish. Oh yeah, that's the ticket. Good morning, you're with Valerie Fafala and Trish Posterino on Arts Express, 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am digital podcast and streaming live from 3cr.org.au and available online later today. Today our guests are award-winning playwright Rebecca Lister. We'll talk about a new play about the impact of suicide at 2.20am. And writer-director Gabriel Pearson and Christy Fanning, associate producer of the exciting new play Waiting on You. Uh, It's a black comedy that explores the underground lifestyles of modern hospitality. So welcome everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back, Trish. Yeah, thank you, Valerie. After an absence in Asia. Yes, indeed. But um, very, very keen to get back to the good old mic. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Okay, so um, Rebecca. Yeah, good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, this is a a new play being staged at the Richmond Theatrette. Mm, That's right, that's right. 2.20 a.m. And um, Mm. it's drawing from your experience of losing a family member to suicide, along with real stories of 50 other individuals directly impacted by suicide. Mm, That's right. And it's a big issue these days, isn't it, Mm, in families? Many families are marked by it. Mm. And uh, what drew you to write about it? Well, for a number of years I was artist-in-residence for um, an organisation called Jesuit Social Services and they run a postvention program called Support After Suicide and I was their guest artist writing, uh, running, facilitating writing workshops for people who'd been bereaved uh, through the loss of a loved one to suicide and whilst that sounds you know, quite uh, earnest and, and possibly even sad, they were, they were incredibly um, uplifting classes. There was lots of humour. Sometimes there was tears, of course, mm. but there was humour, there was camaraderie, there was people developing writing skills. So the focus of these workshops was specifically on giving people better skills to be, improve their writing so that they could tell their stories. Yes. So it wasn't, you know, we, we, we looked at structure, we looked at um, all different writing forms. So from that, um, myself and uh, the, the manager, Louise Flynn of Support After Suicide, we thought it would be great to do a piece of work based on these sort of stories that could tour so that we can continue to keep the conversation about the effects of suicide um, open and, and continuing Unfortunately, as I'm sure you both know, suicide is one of those topics that uh, is almost taboo in our society, unfortunately, mm. and um, and it doesn't appear to be something that's going away. It's something that is still very, uh, very present. It's a difficult conversation to have. Talking about it is a is a difficult thing. Uh, but if we don't talk about it, it becomes it becomes hidden. It becomes underground. It becomes something that uh, people become even more fearful of and. Support After Suicide is an organisation that's called Postvention. So Postvention, obviously, is a made-up word. It's yes. riffing on prevention, yes. but it's postvention. And um, it's the notion of looking after people who have been... left been, behind. That's right, who've been mm. left behind so that there's no further suicide and also so that they can come to terms and understand what has happened and sustain their dignity. Often when you've lost a family member or a partner or a loved one, 
you feel as though you are a bad person. I'm a bad person. We're a bad family. And these things aren't true, um, but they're perpetuated because of the silence. So this play is, you know, trying to crack open all of those things. We're not offering a particular answer. We're not didactic. We're not beating anyone over the head and saying, you know, you must talk about it. Mm. We're presenting 70 minutes of poignancy, beauty, humour and and truth. It sounds really informative and, and fabulous. And as you say, it shines a light on the torment, bewilderment and inspiring resilience of those left behind mm. after suicide. I can just imagine the bonds that would be formed between um, people chatting about this. I know that um, my son, who's in the hip-hop world, mm-hmm. oh, we hear about suicides just about every, or overdoses or suicides, and sometimes it's hard to tell which was which. That's right. Um, yes. Every week or so. I mean, it's just becoming shocking, isn't it? Mm. And the thing is, there is what you sort of alluded to, there's this horrible blame, self-blame, and and then, of course, what the, the hor- horrible um, ride that goes of blaming others, and then this, awful, as you said, guilt that goes on mm. there's it's a, a plethora of emotions that need to be dealt with isn't yeah it? yeah i mean a lot of people who have been bereaved talk about it very much as sort of the ripple effect it's like the stone in the pond you know i know that's a little bit sort of cliched as a no. as a metaphor but the ripples keep going and it's going and, and grief is one of those things i mean the, the notion of grief uh that you get over grief and the stages of grief you know like the old um Kubler-Ross model that that's quite outdated now we talk about grief as as kind of a journey that you go through and you may never get over it Mm. however you learn to live with it and and a lot of the work with postvention work is is how to live with something with with dignity and with hope and to go yes this is part of my narrative this is part of my story but it doesn't mean it marks me um, in the negative or scars me in the negative it's we all we all have a narrative we all have a personal narrative and um, for some people that that's their narrative but it doesn't mean that their life has to uh, completely stop or that they have to constantly carry um, the weight of it you will always carry it but it's learning how to carry it with dignity and with hope we had yeah. um, we had an interview with um, a wonderful female musician whose son uh, committed suicide and she said the hardest thing for her was the funny reaction from some family members mm, mm. Uh, so people have different views on it you know absolutely so you you may have sorted out your reaction and not be blaming and, and realize all of those things and then other members of the family may be making snide remarks and you know those sort of things happen and oh, yeah, that's what continues with the torture that's right there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of judgment of of families i mean we have a a scene in the in the play which is quite fast it's quite rapid fire and it's all of those things you know bad mother bad father bad parent bad child you know especially the bad mother oh yes um, of course bad family like mm. what's going on in that family you know they were you know i always knew they were weird and you mm. always knew they were odd dysfunctional mm. dysfunctional mm. um my family was just uh, a regular mm. i grew up in northwest queensland we were just a regular working class family just getting along doing our thing my brother had a ongoing um a complication with mental health with drug and alcohol abuse these topics are not uncommon they're, they're extremely common and yes that was the choice he made and and it, it it had the ripple effects it's had the ripple effects he had four children um mm. they were all still in school they were a young family so of course there, there are effects but it it has 
you know, with that also comes this incredible journey of of family cohesion if you deal with it, you know, if you actually do deal with it, family cohesion, love, openness, a capacity to to really uh, take care of your loved ones, to really notice and take care without being, you know, like a hoverer or yeah, a you know, helicopter parent mm. or whatever, but, you know, just actually being attentive. I mean, we all, we are now so swamped with messages about mindfulness and um, on a very individual notion but we also have to be mindful of ourselves collectively without that collective kind of mindfulness or that collective attention to detail you know we're <laughs> we're doomed we're troubled we we it's, it's making you know collective decisions being able to be compassionate understanding that everybody on some level is is you know the notion of compassion being that everybody is suffering in some way um, we're not alone within our suffering. And yeah. and you're talking about this catharsis that of writing. I mean, people will journal and do yes. other things, but, I mean, it translated now into a play. Yes. And 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 I, I think that anyone who is going through grief, just in grief, let alone the trauma of suicide, yes. would, would get some something out of your play by the sounds oh, of it. Absolutely. The the creative writing pieces are really beautiful. They're 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 based on, on writing exercises that you would do in a writer's workshop. I mean you know, people over the years when I've done these creative writing classes through Jesuit social services and support after suicide, people have said, Well, why don't people just go to a library? You know, they can just go to a library and do a writer's class there. There's lots of classes there, but there's something about being in an environment where you have this baseline that's shared, where you yes. know that what you want to write about is this quite traumatic event, but you're giving people tools to write about it mm. in a sophisticated way so it's not just a vomiting of emotion onto a page. It's something that's crafted and structured and it and it, it's refined writing. I've mm. published a few um, anthologies of creative works with people from writers' groups, and they're beautiful pieces of work. Mm. Um, people have got back to me and said, yes, we've read them at conferences, we've read them at funerals, we've read them in other, at writers' festivals. So they're, they're, they're beautiful pieces of work. So um, we're kind of hoping that this play uh, allows people to see that, that, that writing is a, is a technique that you can really use to understand yourself and understand your world. Well, where... This is an arts express, yeah. and and the, how it, very important it is, whether it's painting or singing or whatever, yes. that anything that helps you get it out of the gut, mm. out of the tummy, and and into reality, because it it is about reality too, isn't it? That's right. That's right. It's and it's about creating a piece of work that's about reality, but also has some some what I would call meta moments moments where that are, that that sit outside of the the strong narrative form. That are, that are beautiful moments, but this is a piece of work that's really accessible. People will recognise the characters. They'll, they'll recognise, hopefully they'll recognise elements of themselves, their own thought processes. But, yeah, making art's the best, isn't it? <laughs> it's the ultimate yes, it <laughs> cathartic yes. thing to do. So your a group is Anvil Productions, yeah. and you've partnered with Jesuit Social Services and Support After Suicide. Yes. That's, a, that's a great way to go. Yeah. And your play, 2.20am runs from the 29th of August to the 9th of September at the Richmond Theatrette. And it stars Joanne Davis, Donna Stephen, Michael Trelaw and Isabella Yena, or Yena. It's a contemporary drama that directly tackles the subject of suicide with truth and humour and pulses with the credibility of lived experience. That's right, that's right. Actually, one of the... We have had a change of actor. We now have uh, Zoe 
Ellerton Ashley rather than Donna Stephen, who was unable to continue on with the project with us. So we've been very lucky to get Zoe working with us. And people can book tickets directly from our website, from anvilproductions.com.au. Very good. Um, it's a direct link through to try booking. It's just easier to go through our website. But, I mean, also, 2.20am, obviously, you know, um, if, if, pe- if people remember that, they put that into the web. It'll come up somewhere along the line. That's right. Um, it was the the two twenty the time that you, you well two, the, the early hours of the morning is a very common time for yeah. people to there suicide. You go. Mm. Uh, it's also a really common time for uh, for insomnia when you are ruminating. Yes. You wake up and go, oh, you know, will I get back to sleep? It's two twenty a.m. Yes. Um, it's just. Uh, we, yes. we liked using this, you know, rather no. than two thirty or three o'clock, two twenty a.m. It just kind of rolls off the tongue, and it is a time that people. When I was writing this play, I frequently woke up, and it would be two twenty a.m. I'd say, you know, well, you know, that was the whole, speaking, you know, wasn't it? Art. Yeah. yeah. Now you're saying there's it is heavy. It is what you know, um, Gabby, and 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 the play that we'll be talking about next. It's a, a, there's a black sense of humour there as well and th- and I think that can carry um, the play as well. Oh absolutely it's not as I said it's not uh, it's not didactic where we don't have a, a message we're not saying to people you need to think in a certain way it's political yes it's definitely political it's Very a political yeah. issue but it's uh there's colour and humour and movement and and it's um it's it's a lovely piece of work. Yes. I mean, I'm biased, of yeah. course. No, but I mean... <laughs> you know, it is a lovely piece of work. Well, no, given that suicide remains the leading cause of death for Australians aged 15 to 44, it's such an important issue. So thank you very much. Yes, yeah, so, um, and anybody Rebecca who is... Yes, anybody who is... Um, you know, struggling with things we've raised and and also who needs support, they can go to support after suicide. Um, what's, have you got any sort of phone number or just put in support after suicide? Yeah, or just put in support after suicide. I'm sorry, I don't have my... No, that's okay. Beyond Blue yeah. or Lifeline or many of the other um, support agencies surrounding suicide and the, and how it's impacted on people and also if you're struggling um it's very important to know that there is people out there who who can guide you and help you through it that's right yes thanks thank you so much rebecca thank you rebecca lister thank you very much and you're with arts express valerie farfalla and trish posterino and we're just going to have a song this is from the group called um the anti-poverty network in south australia it's time for an increase in new start it's time for freedom Time for moving It's time to begin Yes, it's time Time for changing Not deck-chair-rearranging It's time to begin, yes it's time Time for proving, not slick manoeuvring It's time to hear, yes it's time Time for poor folk, not for rich folk It's time for us folk, yes it's time Children, our poverty is time. 
certainly. <laughs> okay, so you're with Valerie Fafala and Trish Posterino. And um, we're now welcoming writer-director Gabriel Pearson and also associate producer Christy Fanning, who are going to talk about uh, Gabriel's original stage play, Waiting on You, a black comedy that explores the underground lifestyles of modern hospitality. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. I know we're, you're we're. also an actor and a, a writer and producer and you do lots of other things. And um, yes. I was saying to Trish that you've you've um, been in other things like Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries and mm, mm. kids' stuff like... Um, Jack and the Beanstalk and oh, yeah. Chaplin's Pandas. You've done a whole lot of different things. <laughs> I definitely have, yes. So, so this idea of waiting on you, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, you said, we aim to bring awareness to the raw and confronting reality of hospitality lifestyle as we explore how people within this industry may feel pressured to keep up with a hard and fast life and to essentially keep swimming in a sense when the reality is that if they continuously try to keep it up, they'll end up drowning. Yeah. So you're feeling swamped with them. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. It's interesting listening to um, Rebecca talk about things that are taboo, particularly with suicide, Mm. um, because Christy and I discuss this all the time with our particular play. It, it touches on things that we find are taboo in our generation. Things like uh, drug use, things like emotional abuse. Um, and working within industries that are generally seem to be your in-between job. But a lot of the time people, they don't, they don't end up leaving. They don't end up wanting to pursue a certain career. They get comfortable in these jobs and hospitality. And it becomes a family, but sometimes um, it almost becomes a little bit toxic. Mm, that's gee, that opens up a Pandora's box oh, again, yes. doesn't it? <laughs> Very interesting. Mm. Um, Trish uh, wrote a song because we're musicians, mm. and Trish wrote a song called "Cream Brulee," which was <laughs> looking at looking at the pressure from some of those reality yeah. uh, cooking shows. Okay, yeah, and yeah. You get a glimpse of some of the pressure then, mm. but to actually work in the hospitality industry where you've mm. got. I guess images of, of chefs losing their block and people being <laughs> underpaid and yeah. worked to death. Well, that's and it, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, obviously as an artist, I, I think almost every young artist can say that they've worked in hospitality at of least once Of course, it's a walk-in, walk-out oh, sort of thing where exactly. you can grab. And you're also well, people people. Exactly. You know? But mm. that, that's also what you're you're made to think you're made to think that it's a walk in walk out experience mm. when in fact I, I just meet so many people who, who end up being stuck in within the industry. Yeah. And it I, I'm not saying that it's a bad industry and in fact it's a really fun industry to work in. But um especially the play is definitely um based on a lot of things that I witnessed and experienced when I was living abroad um in London. And um it was really interesting because the lifestyle there was basically like the lifestyle in Melbourne but just accelerated completely. And so things that, um, you know, I, I thought were quite hard to keep up with here were just absolutely extended over there. And I I just remember seeing so many crazy things happening. I'm like, this can't be. <laughs> this example. can't be yes, real. Yes, I was at, it, it begs a bit of insight here. <laughs> I'll give you a good tip. If you... <laughs> Especially the black humour. Give us an example of of some of those things. Oh, I think, well, definitely the characters within this play um, are definitely 
stereotypical characters um, that you would meet within the industry. For example, we have a very French bartender. We have a Polish bar back who seems to drop things all the time. Um, We've got a very neurotic bar manager and then a very confident and arrogant owner. I'm Um, loving it already. (laughs) (laughs) So it's definitely um, a party culture and it it is fun. It is definitely a very, very fun play and we don't want people to watch it and think, oh, okay, don't do this because this is bad. It's literally just a slice of life showing people that this is what happens within our generation, people in their late 20s, early 30s who feel a little bit lost um, and try and cover that with, you know, recreational use of of anything really. Well, it's coping mechanisms. Mm. It's previous with... um um, you know, 2.20 a.m. Yeah. It's about learning to cope mm. um, but also being able to navigate through it mm. and also keeping your humour because yeah. this is brilliant. I mean, I can, you know, it's sort of <laughs> like in, in our life we always mm. say when some things go wrong or something, we say, it's a cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> because it all the time your your well, artistic it. you know that's creative it. side wants to sort of turn it into something that mm. can be shared but with entertainment. Mm. Oh, absolutely, I agree. And um, it's so funny how you know experiences that I had or my friends had, or pe- just people within the industry. Um, I started writing about it, and then all of a sudden. It just became this big warped story, <laughs> and I, I, I was just like, I've got no idea. A smorgasbord, even. Yeah. <laughs> That's or it. buffet, <laughs> <laughs> buffet. <to the> <laughs> got images of, of of these poor women mm. struggling with huge, heavy plates. Oh yeah. First, you know, coming in and out mm-hmm. and being taken advantage of in a sense. I guess mm. there's a lot of that that happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the late hours and I think um, definitely, especially women, um, because our play focuses on the lead um, protagonist, Georgie, yeah. um, and she plays a waitress. And I, I think it's, especially um, with women, I think it kind of touches on how they're sexualized within mm. the industry and what we kind of put up with and we we really really shouldn't especially mm. especially with such a movement now and how yes, women yes. are speaking up for mm. themselves mm. it definitely shows um a progression of that mm. and um and the relationships within the play as well um I, it definitely touches on a few um like emotional abuse scenarios mm. um things that people yeah again like find taboo or or a bit embarrassed to even say that this is how I'm being treated or this is how I feel Um, and then by the end of it we watch people come out of it and actually feel really kind of relieved and I I think that's probably what I'm looking for is people to walk away from this and feel a sense of relief. Maybe solidarity Mm. Um, because when you look at some of the instances in the news over the last several months Mm. where um, quite famous chefs and, and others mm. have been um, known to really um, underpay mm. a lot of their work. Oh, yeah, when you absolutely. mentioned corruption in there, I guess oh, yeah. you're looking at that sort of thing. Well, mm. be- this particular play is about a cocktail bar, so yes. we don't, um, there isn't food service, but I, I would say corruption in the way that um, a lot of things happen under the table. Um, yes. A, a lot of the time the bar will close, but then um, the characters call it a lock-in. And so they all stay there until 
very late hours of the morning. And, um, and well, I was about to say, here's mm. a joke. Mm. Uh, it was a, a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, it just slipped out. You know? <laughs> She's getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should no, no, the mind boggles, you know. <laughs> shake it up, shake it up. <laughs> Stop it, it now. <laughs> so this is uh, this play waiting on you. Mm. It's, it's going to be held at the Melbourne Theatre Company's yeah. Lawler Theatre, exactly, and it's. Um, your group is Magella Productions. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So we're um, predominantly women team, um, which is really exciting. Yes. Um, especially like Christy and myself. She's been with me since the beginning. It's um, wonderful, Christy. Welcome too. Yeah, it's been fantastic since um, I started writing the script, and I started reaching out to Christy, and I'd show her drafts, and she would help me edit it. Um, and then from there, we just decided to form a production company and we really, really focus on um, helping women. Did you get grants for it or how did you work We're in application at the moment, yeah. So it's all self-funded. That's good because you've got a few staff. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, a few actors and others, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got got Mm. six actors and Mm. then we've got a music composer as well, um, the lovely Emily Dines. So she's performing a live piece. Um, She's kind of elevated at the back of the stage so she mm-hmm. looks like a dj um but she's in fact yeah scoring the entire production Brilliant. so it's really oh, beautiful really so this Sounds isn't magic. actually on until early november but mm. you're um having um bookings you're taking yeah. those now is yeah that right? ticket sales open tomorrow uh, yes um, and, and you can how get them. people get tickets you can get them at the south bank theater um website all right no, that sounds brilliant, um, and um, you know it, it's never too early to get get some ideas for the upcoming, mm. you know, sort of a lovely warm weather and everything. Oh, you know? absolutely, that's mm. it. And it's funny because I keep thinking it's so far away, but it's coming up. It's, no. <laughs> it's rapidly coming and please, up. Please um, also um, give us a call to remind us, and we'll given a bit of a spruik as well oh, but beautiful. um at the Close same the time, time it's send us an yeah. email or something yeah, yeah. absolutely thank All you right. so much so i'd really um like to thank um Gabriel Pearson um, for original stage play coming up in November but ticket sales now so get in early waiting on you and her colleague associate producer Christy Fanning and also I'd like to thank Rebecca Lister, an award-winning playwright who talked about a new play about the impact of suicide, 2.20am. And it's time um, for Talk Back with Attitude, so we've got to say goodbye.